listeners, as you can hear right now, we are in the Mooncopter flying into Grant Mansion. With me, I have the uh, Evervescence, the powerful, the Jad with me. Hello, Jad. And uh, with me, of course, as always, is the one and only Reynaldo, the High Priest, who's this time. Hello, Ray. Hey, how you going, Connor? How you going, Chad? How are you both? Bloody remarkable, because we're going to put you in the hot seat. And we're going to go through your Isla Ra, or this time, your Isla Ray. So Frenchy, <laughs> just bring us on down through the pool, we'll get right to it. Alright boys, take a seat on these uh, Thank you. Cats. Uh, get ourselves a nice cup of tea from this lovely butler. Well, I mean, I'm drinking tea. What can I say? I'm a sober man. You guys might want something a bit heavier. <laughs> I tell you, it's um, it's quite comfy and, and quite different sitting on the other side of the couch here, Connor. Uh, you know, um, being interviewed. But uh, yeah, it's there's something quite quite disarming about Grant Mansion. It's just it's just that lovely fire blazing <laughs> in the corner. So yeah, boys, how we doing? Start off with you, Chad, before we roast Ray into oblivion. How are you? <laughs> or roasting him into hell by the sounds of it. <laughs> but I'm doing fine. I got a bit of a cold. Just finished moving into the new place. All that oh, oh, congratulations. Ooh. Thanks. Was it, um, was it like as any move? Was it highly stressful, highly exhausting? No, it was... Uh, crazy exhausting on all fronts mm. it was bad bloody hell we got tons done right before a snowstorm dropped on us oh wow yeah, of course yeah i forget it's snowing over there or it's blazing hot over here <laughs> yeah we have dangerous animals here you guys have like snowstorms to contend with <laughs> yeah but um did you lose anything or um did you everything accounted for nothing broken no broken crockery Nah, the only thing that really broke was, uh, I think it was one of our drinking glasses. Oh, it was no. just like regular, regular glasses. Oh, no okay. okay. No sentimental value. Nah. Well, what are you drinking, by the way, Chad? So, so this is the interviewer in me. <laughs> I'm just, um, what do you got there? Giant mug for a cold black coffee. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Cold, huh? Cold. Cold. That's uh, that's great. And Connie, you got some tea. Got some I tea. See. Samuel's been very kind enough to make me a a milkshake. Mm. Oh, it's fantastic. Someone's really relaxing in the seat. <laughs> that's it. Well, you know, when in Rome, enjoy it while you can, eh? So, uh, yeah, no, that's good. Malt. I should say, actually, everyone, um, if you're tuning in for the first time to one of these Isla Ra's, <laughs> what we do, we pick uh, one of the lovely... Uh, People who contributed to Into the Night, whether it's in our community or one of the people on the show, we uh, put them in a hot seat. We talk about uh, how they got into comics, uh, all the history with comics, Moon Knight, and then we uh, discuss four of their favorite single issues to give you kind of a broader view of the people you're listening to and interacting with. Yeah. You know, this time we got, we got Ray. Yeah, and look, I must say, and a big shout out to all the uh, the past Isla Ra guests. Um, I tell you, guys... It has been so illuminating 
hearing and going through some of their comics. Like one of the great things about this, I think, is that we all share, um, you know, different, obviously different backgrounds, different histories. Um, and uh, yeah, there've been comics that I would never have picked up that I've uh, have since read because because of the Oliver our guests. So um, I'm I'm just humbly hoping that the the choices I've made tonight might open some doors for others. Hell yeah! Well, in that case, we've got everyone seated, and now uh, before these uh, drinks go away too fast, we should crack into it. So the first question, the big question, we asked the person in the hot seat, Ray. Uh-huh. How did you get into comics? Uh, yes, uh, look, Connor, you, you probably know this well, well enough, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, comics were, I don't know, I always was kind of in, into it, I guess, um, when I was little, uh, I've got two older sisters, and my parents, um, you know, were, were quite um, willing for us to, you know, watch watch some TV and follow stuff here and there, so I remember just being very young, and um, we had... Uh, you know, costumes, superhero costumes like uh, Superman, Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk was my favourite back then. Um, and we actually even had a, a spider spider buggy, I think. They actually had a little kid's thing. It was like a miniature, one of those ones with the pedals, so you can actually wheel it around. That, that was really cool. Um, yeah, so it kind of, I guess that, that was the earliest kind of memory. Um, and that kind of led to, um, I guess, more more TV, like the, the 70s, 80s Incredible Hulk. With um, with Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, uh, yeah. As a family, I remember us watching watching that, and you know, just being a young, bright eyed little fella, uh, it just really opened the door to, I guess, your imagination. Like, I mean, I guess, I guess, comics and all that. What it does tap into with a lot of people um, are their, yeah, are their imaginations, and and I found it very nurturing for that. So, um. So back then, I still wasn't collecting any comics, um, but I was into the um, into the shows, and then uh, then I guess I went to like went to school and started um, creating some some characters myself. I remember when I was uh, nine years old, um, creating a little booklet. It was like a, it was almost like a little uh, Marvel Universe handbook. Um, so I had a, I don't know, I think about 10 characters. Um, a lot of them actually were influenced by Astro Boy. I used to watch Astro Boy Ooh. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, you guys, uh, had watched the original series. Yeah. Yeah. When do I you, was a kid. Do you, do you remember much of it? Like the most memorable one for me was, um, the, is it the greatest robot in the world? It had Brute on. Oh yeah. There was a two-parter. It was, I think it was the last of the season or whatever. That was, that absolutely floored me and that really i think that instigated a lot so for listeners who don't know uh astro boy the greatest robot in the world astro boy is up against um this mighty robot called bruton massive horns on his head and bruton is going around the world killing all these um seemingly invincible robots out there um, there's a I can't I can't remember the guy's name. He's a he's like a wrestler robot. Um, he he takes on him. He kills him. Uh, there's actually I think it's Fotar. I think is his name. He's an uh, a robot in Australia in the outback, and he relies on the sun. Um, he he dispatches him. And anyway, he goes through them all. And it's at the end of the day, Bruton versus Astro Boy. Uh, and then I can't remember who someone else makes another robot stronger than them all. Anyway, it was it was a fantastic um, 
Do you guys remember that at all? Or, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, you need to read then. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, you need. Have you ever read the manga Pluto? No. Oh my god. So what it was in 2003, a legendary manga writer Naoki Urasawa. He does a lot of um detective and supernatural stuff. What yeah. he did was he took the greatest robot on Earth story arc and turned it into a you know a much more mature, serious eight volume detective story. Oh following wow! The role of um the robot detective uh Gishite. Right. And it's uh, from his perspective seeing all these um all the dealing with you know the big uh. Big Mr. Horns and all that, and Pluto. And... Oh, man. So, yeah, I do remember now. It's all coming back to me now. So there was a, a robot that was... Because I remember there was a robot butler that had all these arms and was actually quite... And there was... I think there was... A, yeah, there was a robot detective, right? A robot yeah. police. Yeah. Okay, it's based on him. Wow. That's yeah, cool. so this manga, is, you know, was written in 2003, so, you know, many years after. But, you know, it's a very serious spin on the story from his perspective. You've got to check it out. Awesome. I, I definitely will. I definitely will. So, yeah, I mean, those characters, they just... Um, uh, that and cartoons like G-Force. Um, uh, I used to watch the old Marvel cartoons, like the really old ones. Like, you know, the... Um, they're almost like comic cutout. Um, oh, yeah. Like <laughs> comic ones. Yeah, yeah, I used to watch the Iron Man, the, the Incredible Hulk, uh, that was all, Spider-Man, that was all fantastic. So all that kind of led to, to creating my own characters and stuff, and then I remember um, on a trip to the US, like the, the big family trip we had, um, going to one of the news agents, and I saw, I don't know the, the issue number, I saw Captain America, and I had him falling out of a skyscraper, I think against the armadillo, um, so this was in the mid-80s. And uh, I think I asked my mum if I could get it um, for the for the plane trip, and uh, yeah, that was the first comic I got, and and that was just I was sold after that. So yeah, I mean, um, I guess a lot of loonies come in through video games and such. Um, for me, it was yeah, it was TV. Um, basically, I think I think basically TV is a big part of it. <laughs> so fortunate enough to watch a lot of TV when I was young. I guess then, that was like the very first introduction. How long after that did it take you to find Moon Knight? <laughs> uh, yeah, Moon Knight was... Um, Moon Knight was great. He came along in a whole batch and wave of comic books that I started collecting in the early 90s. Um, uh, you know, so I kind of went a bit crazy around that time. You know, starting to get a bit more pocket money and stuff. Um, I discovered... Comic Kingdom was the very first LCS I went to. It's in Sydney. It's still there. Uh, and look, nowhere near as good as King's. Um, I, I used to, I used to go to King's as well. King's used to be located somewhere else in the city. Uh, it used to be downstairs um, at, at the bottom of this uh, high-rise building. Um, was there? Um, yeah. And uh, so anyway, the nineties. I don't know. Kind of uh, Rick Ball, obviously, is a big proponent and uh, a lover of the 90s and for me it, it was a, a purple patch um, basically because it had a lot of nostalgia associated with it uh, like looking back now you know everything looks really kind of looking back it just looks really a really fun time so anyway um, comics were huge back then uh, it's nothing like it was like it is now really um, you had the likes of Jim Lee Eric Larson um, Todd McFarlane all coming up so um, so, you know, comics were just like selling like hotcakes and, and people I remember in high school that weren't even usually associated with collecting comics were collecting comics and um, it was really a, a really fun time to, to kind of grow up in. 
so anyway, with all these titles, I literally, I think I tried to collect everything. And a lot of it was Marvel. So um, the big ones were obviously The Incredible Hulk because of the TV show. That was one of my favourites. Um, Amazing Spider-Man. Loved his... Um, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man. Uh, he had like like today. He has a lot of titles. Um, I still I collected the Avengers. The big ones were obviously the X-Men, um, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider, where he were huge back in the nineties. Uh, but you know, in between all that, there was a, a little a little book um, which kind of intrigued me called Mark Spector Moon Knight, and uh, and you know, so I picked it up, and for me, it just he was so different from from everything else. Like everything was for him was very much pared back. Um, even like from memory, I could be wrong, but the um, the comic, the page stock was seemed slightly different, or the inking. I don't know. It just seemed um, slightly more exotic than the other um, main mainstream uh, titles. So yeah, I started collecting that around um, around the trial of Mark Spector. So that was uh, issue we oh. covered this last week around fifteen issue fifteen, um, and from there I just collected on to. Um, I didn't go to the end actually, um, as I came towards the end of high school and stuff, and you know hormones and and growing up, um, <laughs> comics actually uh, dropped out a bit. Uh, I got got really into obviously other stuff and. Um, and uh, music was is, is still a big part of my my life as well, um, so dropped out of that. Um, but yeah, uh, I came back. You know, I only came back recently, about two thousand fourteen, I'd say. Oh really? Yeah, I had a big. So um, you know, left high school, uh, went to uni, had work, did work for a long time, and then um, yeah, then then came back to it. Um, basically, from just visiting and seeing offhand a lot of trades in in the library. Thought I'd give that a go, and then and then you get all these uh, movies coming out and uh, TV series, and yeah, it was from that. But yeah, Moon Knight was um, definitely Mark Spector was was my first introduction, um, and then obviously Connor as well. That Lemire run, um, and, sorry, and the Warren Ellis run as well beforehand. Um, oh yeah, you would have been right on. That was 2014. Wasn't yes, it? yeah, really got me back into it. So that was that was like. Um, Hmm, this is very different Moon Knight from the Mark Spector I remembered. <laughs> yeah, but then that was followed up by Lemire, and it was like, whoa, with Greg Smallwood. It's like, whoa, that this is just this is just top stuff. You know, we've got we've got to do a podcast. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's how I, I got into it. So yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, that's uh, that's the journey to to, to Moon Knight. Um, and obviously he's one of the the tops now. But I do love my street levels. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it with the comics. Um, but I think from as I was growing up, um, such a vast array of comics, um, it's hard to relinquish a lot of them. But I think now, looking looking at myself now, I think street levels probably where I'm most comfortable and happy with. Yeah, I think street level is a big thing for me getting back into it. You know, you kind of had a big renaissance of that as well recently. Plus, yeah. I think out of all of them, the older street level comics probably the ones that hold up the most. Yeah, they do. I mean, I still enjoy, uh, for all its quirks and idiosyncrasies, I, I still enjoy uh, the 90s, like Punisher. Um, that was a funny time, you know. Uh, that was great because it had it had Micro in it. Um, uh, and, oh, right. Yeah, and this was before the Garth Ennis Punisher Max thing. So things were, you know, um, 
jet skis and all that. Yeah, jet skis. Um, there was still sens- senseless killing and violence, but nothing like graphic or really dark. It was, it was kind of similar to, you know, those eighties and nineties action films. Uh, like Die Hard or Commando. It's like, well, you know, what are we going to do? Oh, just shoot them first or ask questions later. Uh, th- those were the sorts of com- <laughs> comics that Punisher were, um, was kind of doing. Uh, but I remember there was a big one as well where he um, he had massive cosmetic surgery and he turned... Um, oh, no. I yeah. This. You know that one, Chad? <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he revealed and you kind of think, oh, is it like a Joker moment? And he, um, he's black. Um, and for what? a while, yeah, exactly. For a while, Punisher, there was a, a, a short run where he was black. Um, what uh, on earth? It, it is so, such a funny, funny time. Um, yeah, I mean, Chad, you um, did you have much dealings in the, in the 90s as well? Or um, have you plundered the 90s vaults? I actually have not. Like, oh. I've pretty much gotten out of the 90s and yep. tried to not look back <laughs> I know it's heresy to some people yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's such it, a it's, yeah, yeah sorry it's nice in its own way but you know yeah. time and place I think so. Yeah, definitely time and place. It's such a wacky time that, like, you know, we joke about it kind of with the ponytails and the pouches and and the no feet and all that. But ah, there was like there was it was extremes, right? You had these awesome artists, right? And you had the caliber of uh, look. I still find them good uh, nowadays. They're maybe a bit hot and cold, but you have your Chris Claremonts, your Peter Davids, um, you know, your Fabian Nicieses. Um, really, really cool writers, uh, but you know, artists were were like the rock stars back then, and it's so funny now. Like the writers have taken a front, um, a front seat to, to everything, which you know, which is nothing wrong with that, but it, it just shows that the nineties was such a different time. So, what are some of the other favorite characters from that era then? So, talking street level, talking Punisher. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Moon Knight. Yeah, was great. I, 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 um, I followed a little bit of Nomad, which was, um, which was basically, I can't even remember now if it was um, Bucky Barnes, um, but it was a Nomad that had a little baby strapped to his back. Um, that was a whole oh. premise. Yeah, was that Bucky? Uh, no, no, that wasn't Bucky. That was uh, the Captain America from the Vietnam War. Oh, okay. I forgot his name. Right. But it was him when he came back. He had his whole crisis of conscience. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, he rescued the baby from a drug-addled home. Wow. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and one and... of those characters end up dying in Brubaker's run or something. Oh, okay. I see. I love how they bring back these characters that you know are just featured uh, fleetingly, like in other eras. Um, yeah. So Nomad was great. Um, I liked. Uh, Actually, he's in the Deadpool. Uh, he was in the Mercs for Hire, or whatever. Um, Terra Inc. Did you guys um, know much about him, or do, do you do you know him? No. Not at all. Ter- oh, okay. He's awesome. He's a <laughs> he's a horror kind of um, guy, and he had a little bit of a popularity streak in the nineties. Um, he had a limited series as well. But he, um, what's the deal? He's very hungry. He. Um, he he can he eats body parts, um, or or he actually attaches body parts to himself, and he gains the memories and whatever skill, you know that person had. 
So he's quite a grisly character, but he's he's kind of like a detective as well. Um, so you know he was he was pretty fun. Um, Sleepwalker, which we've seen recently in Infinity oh. Wars, was um, was a really nice character back in the day there. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, a few Silver Sable. She had a, and the Wild Pack. She had a, a series which I followed, um, which is uh, not street level, but she's kind of espionage. Um, no, so there were there were a lot of um, really really good ones, but like Moon Knight was a big one with um, Daredevil. Was Daredevil? You know, is, is one of my absolute fave characters. Um, yeah, uh, so it's always been Daredevil, Moon Knight, and say the Punisher for me were the were the big street levels. All right. Well, I guess you mentioned as well as we always like to ask people. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about another Moon Knight, talking the comics. What are what are some of the other things you got into? Then you know we got Rick Bull talking about his merch and his figures and his uh, <laughs> all, all his video games. What about you? What what keeps you busy outside of comics? Ah, okay. Well, yeah. I guess it would be um, I guess it would be music. Um, so uh, that, uh, as I mentioned, was a big. Um, one of the big drivers that kind of pulled me away from from comics. Um, I know it's really might sound really weird, but the older I get, the more sense it makes. Um, I, I'm a massive, massive classical music fan, um, so I treated the composers like I treated oh, like I treat comic book titles. Um, I basically uh, I've researched them. I, I've collected um, complete works for, for uh, some of the, my favourite composers. Um, I've uh, I've tried to educate myself to the point where you can turn on a um, a, a classical music radio station <laughs> and I can pick that piece. Um, so yeah, I I, uh, I like to nerdy. yeah it is it is I like to uh, I like to impress Eve with that. She uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so that that and um, piano playing because I, I I'm a I'm a teacher as well. Um, just finish all my grades. I love playing. I love playing the piano. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I kind of treated that as yeah, same obsession, and I find myself going back towards comic books again. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. I, I actually once I do you remember Chad? Um, again, I don't know. I don't know if you if you have uh, a lot of comics actually associated particular soundtracks to their issues. Um, where they got you to, um, they suggested that you, you should, you know, listen to this while you read the issue. Uh, I actually wrote into Marvel um, to Agent M. It was um, on This Week in Marvel, that's their podcast, and I was suggesting, like, you know, um, would Marvel be amenable to, to doing that again? Because I, I reckon that's a great, you know, well, for me, a very selfish reason, two, two good loves, two of my loves, <laughs> music and comics. I'd love to see them marry together. Uh, a really good idea, um, but he. Um, I can't. Uh, Told you to bugger off. No, <laughs> there's some rights yeah. issues and all that like that. He he. Um, Agent M said Ryan Panagos had said uh, he wanted that back as well, and he'd been trying to do it, um, but there are a couple of um, hoops that you have to go through in order to do it. Uh, so it's it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd say music would be the the big thing. But I, I'm not only just into classical. I like all sorts of music. All right. So I think you know we started this podcast on a classical piece for Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what soundtracks would you give to? I don't know. Say Daredevil or Madrox or something crazy like that. Ooh. Oh yeah. 
Oh, see, it's so hard with Daredevil because I can't help but be influenced from the Netflix show because wow. I, I think the soundtrack from that is is absolutely brilliant. Um, that opening opening credit scene, like, are you guys the same? Um, you know how there's a skip intro thing? Oh, never a, skip it. Never. No, you gotta you got to listen to it build up again. Um, okay, so classical, uh, I would... Uh, oh, man. I know a lot of the modern composers. I'd say um, F- Philip Glass, maybe, um, for, for, for Daredevil. Madrox would be something a bit more quirky. So you'd go for... Um, uh, yeah. Oh. Pixies. Sorry? Pixies. <laughs> Pixies. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, the Pixies actually be cool. Actually, if we're not talking just about classical, yeah, for sure. Uh, go for something in... Uh, yeah, like that. Um, Namor. I don't know. Chad, what do you reckon? Help me out here. Uh, he's I'm an art. With... Sorry? Namor, he's more of like a thinker. He has a lot of levels that he'd be on. But he'd be more regal as well, right? The king of... Yeah, king of yeah. he got really dramatic backing. And a bit um, a bit arrogant. So, um, yeah, that would be, that'd be a hard one to place. Man, there's it could a... be a lot of like crystal tones or something. Yeah, I think all, it, massive sweeping orchestrals as well. Um, Moon Knight would be more noir, I reckon, like a seedy, seedy, jazzy kind of, you know, um, cowboy <laughs> bebop. Cowboy bebop. Yeah, why, why not? <laughs> uh, Punisher would be uh, um, just. Uh, Marching band, wouldn't he? <laughs> something, <laughs> something, something military. Oh, I don't lots know. of percussion. Lo- lots of percussion, yeah, and lots of cannons going off. Would be uh, Tchaikovsky's eighteen twelve. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, man, that that'll be good. I'd love to actually associate. Maybe we should, because um, I know there are a lot of music fans in the ITK community, Connor. Maybe we can post something up and um, we'll posit it to them, like. What Ooh, music? Yeah. What music would you associate this, this, and this character? So I was just off the top of my head, like my favourite characters. So obviously Daredevil, uh, Namor, Submariner, um, Madrox, uh, Hercules. I don't know. What do you reckon about Hercules? That would be more kind of classical, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Kind of be like sweeping gods music. <laughs> yeah, fun as well. You know, it's kind of like this man stuck out of time. He's hanging out with all the cool kids. Yeah, true. He's drunk as well, so maybe some drunken, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a shanty, a sea shanty. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, no, what were you going to say? No, no, that was it, I was just saying, um, <laughs> enough of enough of Hercules. Um, I was just going to ask you then, because I know you're just starting to develop a little range of figures. Yeah, I am, actually, looking forward to the, the Hercules um, Marvel Legends, That he, the, the, the latest one coming out this year looks awesome bloody awesome um i have just started a collection i have uh i have jessica drew spider woman in her new costume very cool because that's a bit of a tip of the hat to dennis hopeless one of my um my favorite runs and can i mention was very close as an honorable mention in um in uh in my top four books uh have black knight i just got recently i love dane whitman's um aesthetic and and just the idea of um, the Frank Thierry run, just recently, I think in two thousand thirteen or fourteen, um, 
I think it was going in a really good direction, and it was a real shame that they, they finished it after six issues. But they had a bit of a Game of Thrones vibe, um, really kind of, yeah, really, really kind of cool medieval um, slash weird world mix. Um, I've got Moon Knight, of course. Uh, I have Namor, um, just, in his, just in his togs. Because <laughs> uh, he's got a few of different varieties, um, but I thought I'd just get the classic one. Um, I've got Ant-Man. I, I do love Ant-Man as well. Um, and I've got um, Multiple Man and Multiple Man again, and I'm hoping to get a, a couple more of him to to build an army. So, yeah, no, only really. Only two Multiple Man. Only two at the moment, yeah. but um, I remember one point you were talking about four of them. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get another four at least. I'm ten or something. I'm hoping to get ten. And then I can just inundate Finn, who's my son, by the way. Loony listeners, um, when he grows up, he's old enough. I can just chuck them all at him and go, have at thee, Finn. <laughs> and he'll go, why did you get 12 of these figures? I'll say, I don't know. <laughs> he's multiple man. No, actually, I was thinking of doing mind games with him. I was thinking of um, for my little son because, you know, you've got to start early. And I was thinking of, like, just giving him the one and then, like, you know, the next day or the next week just having another one pop up next to it. And, you know, just gradually over the month. So you know, after a couple of months, he's going, what's, ha- what's happening here? I, go, I don't know. Thinking it's just, it's growing. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun can be had with those figures. Uh, you're a big collector as well, Connor, aren't you? You've got a bit of an impressive collection. Oh, I've only actually got one Marvel Legends figure and then a couple of pops and then, I don't yep. know, 70 Transformers. That's what I really collect. Yeah, but the Transformers, though, so you've got, because um, they're different models, right? Um because, again, back in the day, I had, um, damn, it wasn't even Starscream. It was, it was another, it was like a third-tier fighter jet um, villain. Um, are they the Mattel ones that you've got? Or are they... Hasbro, yeah. Hasbro, yeah, all okay. sorts of different, all the um, bloody different shows and games. They all have their own set of figures and the movies. and Awesome. Are they all through Hasbro or...? Yeah, Hasbro and Takara have owned them since the beginning. Okay, cool. Cool. And Chad, do you have any as well, or uh, it's not your not your thing? I got nothing. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've only literally to be buying expensive, nice microphones. Yes. Ah. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, incidentally, Chad, you are sounding a very, a very good indeed, sir, tonight. Good. I was worried about that. No. No. It's yeah. It's sounding crystal crystal clear. Um, yeah, so a few figures. I've, I've seen a few other good figures as well, uh, Connor. That's coming out this year. Um, Nightcrawler in particular, and uh, and Forge. I'm a big, uh, again, a big fan of Forge, because Forge is kind of like your street level mutant, right? He's he's not really impressive. His skill, like he intuitively, like he's a, a genius. And I'm doing air quotes, but if you read his um, Marvel Universe thing. Uh, all of it's intuitive. So even sometimes when he thinks, okay, you know, he, you know his mutant ability, don't you, Connor? I thought it was just building shit real quick. Yeah, I think over the wrong forge. No, no, that's forge. So forge, uh, his mutant ability is to be able to think of anything, and he can actually build and and create anything. So basically, think of an invention or whatever he can he can build it. But the thing is, apparently, the difference between him and say um, your Reed Richards or your Moon Girl or Amadeus Cho is that it's all intuitive. So he doesn't necessarily understand or know why he's building it, 
not the way he's building it. It's just it just happens. It's a very weird mutant power. It's a Chris Claremont created him, um, but I like it because he's you know other than that he's just a normal dude who who has a, a bit of uh, magic <laughs> as well and a bionic leg. Oh. But other than that, <laughs> he's normal. You know, just these you yeah. know, pretty apex level advancements. <laughs> yeah, apart nothing from that, big. No, no, no. And he has a ponytail, so you know he's from the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, good figures coming out. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I think we've grilled you enough. I think we have four particular comics we want to cover. And uh, yeah. what we do here in our Isla Ra, or our Isla Ray now, is uh, we get ready to pick four of his favorite single issues, and we cover two quickly and then go deep in depth on two of them. So he's given us uh, Mark Spector Moon Knight 25, mm-hmm. Harbinger 5, Oh, that's from the 2012 reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny X Men 251, and then is it Daredevil 67? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh. So, um, can can I uh, just a little disclaimer, and maybe explain why I picked those four? Oh, yeah, it's been teasing this for a while. Yeah. So there is a, as I mentioned to Connor and Chad before, there's a little method to my madness. So, um, look, I didn't realise, obviously. Um, I had a bit of tongue-in-cheek when I asked guests to come on and pick their top four, and they'd, they'd always say, oh, it's so hard, it's so difficult, it's going to take me forever, I've got a huge list. And I didn't realise how hard it was until, yeah, you actually do it as well. <laughs> so it is very hard because there are so many, like, so many title, single issues that could um, be deemed worthy for it. But you have to just let things go. Um, so my method in coming into it, so I've picked four, and I've picked four because um, the four, each of them in a different way, kind of triggers uh, a memory or a um, or a, a kind of feeling that I get when I read it, and and that encapsulates a, a certain era for me. So I thought, yeah, by doing that, then like for instance, if I pick um, the Harbinger one, which is number five, a, a fantastic issue, right? But um, but if I pick that one. Um, it, it, it gave me that same feeling that um, I had when I read through, say, the Armor Hunters and the Harbinger Wars and Bloodshot and, and Ninjak and Exo Manor War. So uh, it's a representation of, of um, those sorts of comics. Uh, and similar could be said for the other, the other three. So Mark Spector Moon Knight uh, is a 90s comic for me. Uh, and it's it's Moon Knight, uh, you know. Obviously, I think he's great. It has Ghost Rider as a, as a guest. Uh, Mark Bagley art. Uh, Mark Bagley is one of the you know he's such a such a great artist, such a respected artist. Um, so that's why I chose Moon Knight. Like it was in the '90s, has Moon Knight, and sneakily has Ghost Rider in there as well. Uh, Daredevil. I picked the Bendis run because my God. Um, I'm rereading it now, and how good is the Bendis Daredevil run? It is friggin' good, and I think it was one of the big reasons that got me back into to comics, like, recently as well. So that kind of kick-started me looking into it. Um, I think I bumped into something in the library, started reading it, and I could not put it down. I went through the Bendis, the Brubaker run, all that. So for me, that that the Daredevil issue is a reminder of me of, of, of re-entering comics and, and that feeling that joy that I got, I guess, of, of being reintroduced into the world of comics. And um, and the last one was uh, X-Men 251. Um, that was in the late 80s, 89, I believe. Um, so, 
That one, and I, and I told you as well, Connor, just before, a little bit before, um, this is one of the comics that every time I rack my brain as to what is the most memorable comic for me, I always come back to this one. Um, I don't know why, it just sticks in my mind. Mark Silvestri art, um, Wolverine. I was a massive Wolverine fan in the 90s. Look, who, who wasn't? Um, he was a big, big figure back then. Um, and it had him at his absolute low. It has also the introduction to Jubilee, which, um, you know, she's, she's turned into her own great character yeah that's jubilee um in the in the issue uh so she this was the genesis of them being almost um you know her her being the sidekick to wolverine um so they met in the outback and it kind of started around this time around 250 251 um but out of all the four i'd say 251 this issue um i picked it because it just jumps out in my mind every single time um, so I, I could not ignore it. Um, I wanted to also say, yeah, massive big shout. I was so cut that I could not include any Peter David X Factor run. That's a massive. I love that sort of stuff. Garth Ennis, Punisher Max. Um, man, there were so many good issues there as well. Uh, yeah, like I said, Spider Woman, Dennis Hopeless, um, the Jeff Lemire runs, and and of uh, Moon Knight and and Houston. All that I could have chosen. Um, Rick Ball chose issue thirteen of uh, Max uh, of uh, Houston's Moon Knight. Um, I would have chosen that as well, as well as Moon Knight um, number five by Warren Ellis. But you know we've covered that as well, so um, I thought I'd give that a miss. Um, but they were obviously up there as well. But anyway, that's uh, that was the idea of uh, picking these <laughs> in my long awesome. rant. Yeah. Well, I think if. Um... I'm hearing some uh, murmurs from Mark and Marlene. So I think we need to get moving before some uh, squeaky velvet happens. So uh, I think we're uh, conchu. I think uh, we're in a much-needed uh, teleportation to a certain diner. Uh, we'll quick bite to eat to get this uh, thing started. Let's do it. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Boys, uh, take a seat. Uh, yep, Gina hey. over here. Hi, Gina, how are you? Yes, it's good. <laughs> Chad, you've been to Jenna's diner before? Uh, a couple times, yeah. You're no stranger to coffee, no doubt. Nah. <laughs> I, think, I think I'll uh, take another. Take another, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to follow in his uh, footsteps and uh, also take a, take a nice hot black coffee. Uh, yeah, Jenna, I'll, I'll have a, um, I'll have a, an iced coffee, thanks. Just to be different. <laughs> Alright, coming right up. Well, uh, while we're waiting for those, uh, shall we start on the, uh, which one did you want to start on now, the quickies? Yeah, look, let, let's start with, um, with Moon Knight 25, um, a really cool run, uh, so... 
this was off the Mark Spectre, and again, there could have been so many from the Mark Spectre run to choose from. There's a Scarlet Redemption. Uh, there's the earlier Chuck Dixon stuff, which I really like. There was the stuff around Robin, which we covered previously um, in our last episode, Connor, which was was up there as well. But I chose this one uh, because it's a nice one-shot uh, and uh, written by Howard Mackey, so he's not your typical Moon Knight rider. He's actually more of a ghost rider, ghost rider rider. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it's it's really cool. So basically, um, so in a nutshell, in this one, um, Moon Knight and Ghost Rider they kind of team up against um, what is the cult of Conchu, and they're kind of like terrorists, and they they seem to be randomly appearing randomly um, terrorizing New York City, uh, but it turns out that they're under the um, the leadership of one really 90s villain. She's called Plasma. Um, she looks very, very 90s. She's got blue, a uh, blue uh, like visor, um, very kind of scantily clad. But she's a mutant, and she, surprise, surprise, can shoot magma, uh, plasma. I was about to say magma. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they kind of battle her. Uh, yeah, and, and that's basically... It turns out she wants to... Um, uh, she wants to basically um, promote uh, the cult of Konshu and um, and topple um, all, all the um, the major, I guess, governments. Uh, that was her idea. But she she meets a grizzly end in the train in the subway, um, and Moon Knight uh, and Ghost Rider. They um, Moon Knight has a, a a little moment to self reflect on um, you know is he is he good. Like, you know, because he was a mercenary, he meets up with his ex, an ex merc as well, and uh, and Ghost Rider, um, yeah, just dishes out vengeance, and um, they seem to team up pretty well. Um, yeah, but that's basically it. It's called Ghosts of the Past. Um, yep, and written by Howard Mackey, Mark Bagley, uh, and Tom Palmer on on um, on inks. Um, so yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty interesting issue. Um, did you? What did you make of it, Connor? Like, this is another Mark Spector Moon Knight issue that you are now introduced to. Yeah, well, this is uh, pretty jarring to me. Not, not in how it was written, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I was introduced to so I'm dropped. I've only read, you know, those few pieces of Mark Spector Moon Knight from the last issue, and this is my first issue of 90s Ghost Rider as well. Ah, lovely. So just all the things happening. I like the idea of the cult of Conchu in this, uh... yeah. Yep. Plasma character died seemed kind of cool. And I do kind of want to check out the rest of them now. But yeah, I think the biggest takeaway here is Ghost Rider. is just mean and staring. Yeah. I, th- I think the good thing for this is that um, <laughs> Howard Mackey, like he, he was the Ghost Rider f- of the 90s, of, of the title. So he has a good grasp of the character. And, you know, obviously it makes sense that he wanted to introduce um, a character that he's been writing. So, um, yeah, I think Ghost Rider is portrayed really well here. Um, I think it's it's such a, a weird thing. Like these are both um, spirits or avatars of vengeance, and I think this is the only time they've ever teamed up. And I've been talking with Brian from Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast, and <laughs> we've been trying to trying to get Marvel. I've been harassing CB Sobolski <laughs> with um <laughs> with doing a Moon Knight Ghost Rider team up because they they just seem so well matched um but yeah this is the only the only um team up that I, i'm aware of uh 
Yeah, and it's very 90s. Like, there are a lot of trench coats. Um, the violence is actually, when you say jarring, Connor, I'm, uh, I immediately thought of the... There's a, a lot of graphic violence here um, that may make, like, a, a Max series these days. Like, there's a guy that gets shot by plasma. Um, did you see that? One of the cult of... Con- oh, no, sorry. He detonates himself. And you see and his... Um, plasma just burns a guy's head off too. Yeah, and, and Plasma yeah, decapita- decapitates a guy. So, um, yeah, there's, there's stuff now that you wouldn't see in today's comics as well. Um, for me, it's very 90s, so that's why... I, mean, I guess that's why I picked it, because it just reminds me of that time. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, Chad, are you a, a fan of Mark Bagley? Or, or have you read much of Howard Mackey? Um, it's entirely possible I could have, and <laughs> I mean, I was probably like three years old when this came out. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope you don't see any decapitated bodies when you're three. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, look, it's it's also good as well because, um, you know, we've discussed as well at length that Mark Spector, Moon Knight, um, it had one agenda, and that was to not worry about the personalities and to just focus on Mark Spector, that persona, and uh, and for it to be a bit bit of a bit, bit of a Dark Knight take, you know. Um, but this issue I like because um, in it, as I mentioned, Mark comes across one of his ex colleagues. He was is a mercenary. He's turned into a well. He's still a mercenary, and uh, he works for the cult of Conchu. Anyway, Mark has a tussle with him. Uh, I can't remember his name. It's like Sword or something. He's got a really dodgy name. Um, let me just, just having a quick look. Uh, look, I can't remember. Anyway, so, he, so Mark um, kills him in, in, in conflict. And that actually leads him to question um, question himself. Like... Um, like why he's doing why he's doing what he's doing as an avatar of vengeance and is that a good thing is he a good person you know these sorts yeah, of th- that's, yeah oh, sorry. yeah sorry yeah these sorts of things that run even through to the Bemis run um, which is quite essential for Moon Knight yeah this sort of follows on from what I liked about um, the trial of Mark Spector and well and I do kind of want to follow on from here because I really like this idea of Mark doubting himself and his role as the avatar of vengeance so yeah yeah, exactly, and and I think with what they have to play with, it being you know him stripped of his Jake Lockley and Stephen Grant persona, uh, it's good to focus on that. Like, otherwise, he's just going to be a vigilante, you know, with with gadgets just going around the street, solving crime and, and fighting, and you know, um, there's a lot more to him than that. So, uh, yeah, so I like that inclusion there. But um, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's um, that's a Moon Knight issue. It's um, I. I had to, this was really close, uh, <laughs> it was either a Moon Knight issue, and I could not not put a Moon Knight issue in my top four, um, but uh, knocking on the door was, was the Peter David X Factor run, um, it would have been issue 74 or 75, which was the introduction of the new team, and uh, it was a multiple man centric story, um, or the Peter David um, mid-2000s Madrox run um, and X-Factor run, one of those issues, uh, that was very close to, to um, if not Moon Knight, it would have been one of those, but yeah, yeah, um, that's that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. Alright, well, I guess, uh, Chad, anything you want to add? Um, 
Let's see. I think it should be kind of important to note that it was Danny Ketch as Ghost Rider. Mm, true. True. Uh, Danny Ketch was uh, in the 90s, yeah, Connor. Um, Danny Ketch was the Ghost Rider back then. In the early 90s, actually, Johnny Blaze uh, gets reintroduced. Like He'd been missing for, for years, and it had been Danny Ketch. And at this point, I believe, uh, they hadn't come up with the idea that Danny Ketch was related to Johnny Blaze, um, that because they, they're brothers, um, I do believe. Um, yep. But yeah, but I think this time, I mean, when I was reading Ghost Rider during this time as well, there's no mention that they were brothers. Uh, not until I think at least uh, was it Midnight Suns? I'm not sure if that was mentioned there, but Midnight Suns heralded the return of Johnny Blaze, um, and that was a huge arc. Um, yeah, around the 90s. But uh, another interesting thing about Ghost Rider, and I think this was brought up by the guys at Inner Demons, um, there's a, there is a weird bit here where Plasma totally annihilates Ghost Rider and he's utterly gone, right? And um, this shows how powerful Ghost Rider is, but it also kind of like is, well, geez, he's really, really powerful. He's literally blown up into nothing um, and he's just a smoldering mess um, and Moon Knight thinks that he's gone and dead, but then he kind of reanimates himself out of nothing. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. Take of that what you will, but, you know, he's literally immortal. And, like, Plasma, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Danny Ketch, like, one of the first Ghost Riders to start actually burning Plasma as well as just fire? Oh, right. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had also that signature... I think that was just Danny Ketch. Oh, man, we should really ask the uh, Ghost Rider guys. Um, Danny Ketch had the little um, little button on the on the motorbike, which turned him into Ghost Rider. Uh, but, yeah, he had a, a lot of these funky powers. Yeah, Chad, I think they started exploring that. Um, but I, don't, I believe, from what the guys had said, they've never, ever seen him reanimate himself from nothing <laughs> again. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty powerful thing to do. Um, but, yeah, he's... Um, yeah, so it was interesting to see. I mean, Ghost Rider was just as... I mean, I, I found him just as cool as Moon Knight back in the 90s. Yeah, well, you know, if you guys are listening, uh, your Vengeance boys want to fill us in on what we're missing, we're... <laughs> I know literally nothing about Ghost Rider. I've read one run, and that's the Jason Aaron one. Yeah, did you like that? That, that was a good oh, run. I loved it. Yeah, really good. Really good. Um, it really expanded his lore. Uh, and from what I understand, Daniel Way started introducing the angels and stuff and, and heaven. Um, the, the Ghost Rider guys, they, they reckon Daniel Way, you either love some of his stories really good or you totally hate them. Like, he's really yeah, hidden. I didn't see that admittedly. I might now that yeah. I've got MU again. But... Yeah. Well, how about we talk some Harbinger? Valiant's 2012 reboot. Yeah, so Harbinger... Um, this, this is a weird one because, um, I don't know... Uh, you know, kind of you and Rebecca know as well. We're all we're all big Valiant fans. I um yeah. I burned through the whole 2012 onwards every single issue of Valiant um, because they're all so good. It, there's no like Chad. I don't know if you you read Valiant or not, but it is no exaggeration. When someone has, asks what is the what is the best title, you kind of always go, oh, they're all pretty good because <laughs> because they are. They're all really good. Um, and I chose this one, as I mentioned before, because it kind of triggers a particular um, 
feeling I had when I started reading the 2012 runs. Uh, and this is issue five is really cool. So Harbinger, for those who don't know, um, they're basically um, about psyots, which are equivalents to mutants um, in the Valiant universe. And anyway, this to me had um, taking back. Uh, it takes a little bit from um, X Men and, and mutants, but it also takes a bit from Akira. I think I, I could not help but think of Tetsuyo, um, you know, in this this first arc. Anyway, so issue five. Uh, basically, there's a, a bad dude called Toyo Harada. He wants to recruit all these Soyots, um, and one of the Soyots is is Peter. Um, Peter Stanchek and Peter is a, a massively powerful Psyot. Uh, so anyway, Toyo wants to recruit him and kind of have him under his wing, under the guise of a of a benevolent organization. But he's actually quite quite brutal, Harada. So anyway, Peter's a bit of a rebel. He's just found his powers, uh, and issue five culminates in him taking on Toyo and um, and his marshals, I guess, uh, and one of them being uh, Livewire, and she's. Like nowadays, you see, she's actually got her own title. She's uh, a lot more on the side of good. Um, back in the day, here in 2012, she was very much uh, like a marshal of um, of Toyo Harada. Um, and you have other likes like Stronghold and Ion, um, very powerful Psyots. And Peter takes on all of them. Uh, and you think he wins, he does, but he uh, he actually gets. Um, the crap beaten out of him by by Toyo, uh, so this was a, there was a lot of exploding buildings, a lot of um, uh, a lot of telekinetic power, a lot of a, a lot of violence in this as well, um, and I just I don't know I just love the art. It's the introduction also, uh, the early introduction of Faith. Uh, she's one of the big characters in Valiant as well. Um, she ends up getting her own series and she's quite popular. Um, her psyop powers get activated by Peter, um, but yeah, this is just an, a, an awesome. I, look again, I keep on saying I love my action scenes. This is an awesome show of power from Peter and from Toyo Harada, uh, and from the other psyops. Um, but yeah, it was uh, action packed, and it um, kind of came to a head in this. Yeah, this is the end of the first trade. Yep. So and yeah, well, I guess for all those people listening, Valiant was probably one of the most important things for me getting to know. Rebecca and Ray, like we spoke in a serious issues group in a group chat. Mm. The first time I ever spoke to them individually, I added them to a group to ask them a question about the Valiant, the um, Kent Lemire run. And yeah. from there, I don't know, we just kept talking. And a year later, we started a podcast together. So, you know, <laughs> Valiant was pretty influential. I love it. I mean, this was, this, this is, you know, this is the very start. This was the very first book of a new la- uh, line launched by Dinesh and Dysart. And, yes. Um, yeah. The Very- bloodshot writer whose last name I can't even begin begin to pronounce. Oh um, yeah, yeah, he's a Polish like, Polish surname. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also um, great, but yeah, I yeah. love I love the Harbinger run. You know, it's kind of like its own sort of X Men, but a lot more. Very different, but you know, it's kind of spun off from that very morally grey. Like Peter himself is yeah. a douchebag who does some pretty unforgivable yes. things, oh, and Harada is also a terrible person. But even over the run. You come to like him, like we're getting the yep. life and death of Toya Harada. Yes, a couple of weeks. So yeah. excited for that book because that nice. character is really interesting now. And, you know, it's such an interesting thing, and all these characters are such so morally grey and just so interesting and brilliant. And the action's awesome, which is something this issue shows. Yeah, bloody and explosive. 
Oh, no, absolutely. Harada is such a complex character, and it's easy to generalise him and make a similarity between him and, say, Magneto, uh, you know, as an anti-hero. But there are some absolutely abysmal things Harada does. But at the same time, um, there's a certain, like, a logic to it, and and sometimes there are instances where you do kind of lean, like, towards him. So he's just written very well. Like, he's a very... And, and he's ultra, ultra powerful as well. He's like he's kind of like Peter's level of power, probably even more. Um, and yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's quite interesting. I, I don't know. It's just so well written, um, and it goes that step further than the X Men. Like as you're saying, Connor, Peter in the first, I was about to I was about to pick the first issue, like issue one of this, um, but I didn't want to fall into the trap of just picking the you know issue ones of, of runs. I wanted to pick something. Um, you know that was more than just an introductory um, issue, uh, and in the first issue we see Peter. He literally uses his power to, um, you know, let's not beat around the bush to to basically um, take advantage um, sexually of this girl against her will, mm. like, and and that's such a like a massively <laughs> immoral, uh, you know, so immoral action to take, and and this is that this is our protagonist, you know. So you you just kind of always left with mixed feelings um, for who's meant to be a protagonist, who's meant to be an antagonist in this, uh, and it's just yeah, it's just brilliant. And there's a, a, the right mix of action, um, the art and colours are just brilliant. Um, but yeah, Chad, I, I don't know if you haven't read Valiant, um, not wanting to sound like I'm, you know, on a commission from them, um, but yeah. Uh, Definitely oh, worth checking excuse out. Excuse me, Ray. I've actually <laughs> been reading Shadow Man, so. Oh yeah, Shadow oh, Man. The new one. The, yeah. What was that? Was that the new one? Uh, I started reading at the very, very beginning. Oh, you mean oh. class like classic Shadow Man from the early yeah. Valiant? Oh wow! Wow! Back wow! In wow. The bayou. wow! Nice. Well, Shadow Man's another big one as well. And again, I know I sound like a broken record, but again, he could have easily been in um, the Andy Diggle run currently now. Connor, I think, did you say you dropped it or you're still collecting it? Or Yeah, I think it was just a busy period. I yeah, should go yeah. back and check it out. I heard it was very good. Oh, man, it is really, really good. And and the 2012 onwards as well, Shadow Man. Um, I, God, I can't. Peter Milligan, I think he writes it. Um, really, really good. Uh I like it. I, I, it gets a bit flat towards the middle and the end, but it, it's really good. Yeah, sorry, Chad. Um, yeah, yeah, Sh- Shadow Man. Um, I should have known that you would have uh, you would have been picked up. You had good taste, of course, of course. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, but if anything, Chad, um, um, Harbingers as well. I don't know. Do you like X-Men stuff? Do you like that team sort of dynamic? Or? Honestly, when it comes down to... You know the X Men dynamics for the yep. team builds. Uh, I'm more towards like, you know, just Wolverine and one other person, yep. just Wolverine and like some huge badass character. <laughs> um, because the reality is, he's not a very powerful mutant. He has one trick. Yeah, he does it really well. Yeah, like that. That's it. So he's adaptable. He's a great assassin because he can't put him down. Yeah. Yeah. No. True. That's it. Okay. Uh, so the, the the appeal of of having disparate characters with with disparate powers is that like no is no 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 uh, attraction there. 
No appeal? I mean, I like Loki and all, but desperation is just kind of desperate at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, I mean, I fully, totally um, understand where you're coming from as well. I, as I said, I love love Wolverine. Um, yeah, X Men's X Men's X Men's good, um, but yeah, Harbinger for me is just uh, is is different. It's on a different kind of. It's gone down a different road. Um, yeah, and it's uh, definitely worth checking out. So. Uh, the Harbinger ride all, all the way on from 2012 onwards uh, gets pretty good as well. It, it, it culminates in, I think, Harbinger Renegades. Um, there's that massive fallout with Hardcore. Um, so Hardcore are kind of like the... Um, how would you describe them, Connor, um, if there was a Marvel or DC equivalent? They're kind of like... Ooh. They're kind of like the government... Um, yeah, they're kind of like... They're almost kind of like a shield or something yeah, yeah that's what i was about to say um probably the ground team for for shield mm. but the the thing with them or like when kind of i suppose a better comparison would be like when um thunderbolt ross assembles a team to take down yeah like, or someone yeah 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 that that's a lot more appropriate um but think of that plus um uh, think of the the ragtag team well think of the team in aliens like you know they're yeah. a strong unit and they all have uh, nicknames um you know, except for, um, except for, oh, he is Gunslinger. Gunslinger is the leader. Um, but yeah, so, well, anyway, um, we're kind of going off on a tangent there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Harbinger's, uh, yeah, really good. Uh, really, really enjoy it. Um, yeah, and, uh, happy to take this one onto the Isle of Ra with me. And, you know, from here it just spins off in everything Harbinger, Omega, Renegade, yep. Imperium. Yes, that's right. All, all that good stuff. Yeah, I think I think we've given Valiant plenty of shouts out here because they're <laughs> the best. They're good. They're good. Uh, yeah. So those are those are the numbers three and four of the list. Now, Ray, we're going to get a couple of serious ones here, but another put in a request with Conchu. I'm going to take us somewhere not very nice. Yeah. Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Ah, yes. Feel that hot outback sun. We're in ah, the middle of nowhere. Of course. Sitting on some rocks. It's hot, windy, perfect place to talk about two of your favourite comics. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. Um, so, yeah, I can see a, a crucifix there in the, in the distance there, Connor. Um, I hope none of us have any plans for that. Um, Chad... Uh, how are how are you? Welcome to Australia, by the way. Um, glad to have you here with us. Don't uh, mind the snake over there. Don't mind the snake. Don't mind the the funnel web spiders. Um, yeah, enjoy the kangaroos. Maybe I shouldn't have worn my pea coat here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get to why we are in the outback. Um, you, you know, well, no spoilers. It's, it's from the Uncanny X-Men issue. Um, but for number two, I, I picked uh, Daredevil 67 for the reasons that I mentioned before, like Brian Michael Bendis's run in Daredevil, as much as we bag him out these days, as much as we use... Um, terms such as like oh it was a little too bendacy that issue or you know was, <laughs> you know we, we, there there's a reason why he you know why he's um, scrutinised so much is because he has reached these massive heights um, you know Ultimate Spider Man I guess was one of them Avengers but his Daredevil run for me um, and this was even before the Netflix Daredevil um, just epitomised. Um, street levelness so mm. uh it was it was just really pared back um there was no more uh, look i'm a big fan uh, as well of you know you know of david finch's art of you know that kind of over muscled um really superhero typey stuff um with alex malieve it's all kind of very kind of you know realistic um uh, they're not all kind of rippling and and um you know, disproportioned, <laughs> like that Liefeld picture of Captain America. Um, you know that they look like real people, and and the dialogue is real, um, and and uh, it isn't too bendacy, uh, if I can say that. <laughs> there there is a lot of dialogue, but a lot of it is is um, well used, and and it's value, valuable to the story. So. Um, yeah, so I chose this one, 67. I, again, literally could have chosen many of the Bendis runs. I was thinking of the one with uh, Typhoid Mary. That was a, a ripper of a, a one. Uh, there's another another one where um, Kingpin is attacked and uh, he's stabbed multiple times by his lieutenants or something um, who want to usurp his power. Uh, there's a lot of these sorts of um, stories, which is, which is really good. Uh, I picked the one with... Um, with Bont, I can't remember his name. It could be Frank. Mm-hmm. Frank Bont. He's a he's a criminal who used to work in his youth um, in the streets of Hell's Kitchen, and he um, he gets undone by kind of Daredevil. So he he kind of he kind of um, grows in bitterness over the years, and he gets out of prison. And his idea is to gain revenge on Daredevil. Um, so in this issue, he has captured Matt Murdock and Daredevil. Uh, he's used Gladiator, uh, Melvin Potter, as his kind of hitman. Um, and we get a bit of a, a snippet into his past life, um, Bont's past life, I mean. Um, and he's running... Alexander Bont. Alexander Bont, okay. Yeah. Frank Bont, I think I know where that is. He's from The Walking Dead. I think he's one of the uh, the showrunners. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, Alexander Bont, okay. <laughs> um, uh but yeah, this is a cracking issue for, for art as well as as dialogue. Um, so anyway, yeah. So basically, it, it's it's basically got um, Daredevil captive. It goes back into Bont's running with Matt Murdock. At first, um, Bont wants to engage Murdock um, for his services, his legal services, and this is very um, akin to the Netflix series. It reminded me of it. Um, uh, Foggy and uh, Matt they turn him down so if you remember in the Netflix series they turned down um, um, Weas- is it Weasley? Weasley um, Kingpin's um, 
Second Wesley. Command. Wesley, sorry. <laughs> so I'm thinking of Harry Potter. <laughs> They're not Weasley, Wesley. Sorry, that's it. Um, yeah, in the Netflix series, he turns him down. Um, uh, and this reminded me of that. Anyway, so Bond gets the shits with him. So he hates Matt Murdock. He hates Daredevil. Um, but yeah, it was a really good, really good thing. Um, what I would be keen to know, Connor, with yourself, would be um, the art. Uh, I'm pretty sure you would oh, have appreciated the art. Yeah, I still love Alex Maleev to this day. He's still putting out high quality work. Um, yeah, Infamous Iron Man, doing bent some Bendis's. Uh, I forget which one he's doing as part of his Jinx World books, but one of those. Yeah, he's just incredible. I think. Yeah, this is my favourite Daredevil. Knocks um, Frank Miller's out of the park for me. This in uh, Brubaker's run of my favourites. You yep. know, Bendis's Daredevil, uh, O'Neill's The Question are like two of the best street level comics of all time, and they just right. they're just timeless. I just love them so much. And Alex Maleev's art, just amazing. Yeah, look, I um, you get a lot of angry Daredevil fans um, from what you said <laughs> there, Connor about Frank Miller. But no, seriously, I would stand by you as well. I I. I think Bennis and Brubaker's run is absolutely phenomenal. Um, like I said, I'm just doing a reread now, and I'm just still it still keep it still holds well. I'm, I'm still floored by what I'm reading and looking at. And anyway, the art for this is I've really got to point this out. I mean, the beauty of this again, the why I chose it as well is um, not only the great story, but the art here from Malieve. He employs like three different styles here in one thing. Like, oh, yeah, we've we've seen in the Moon Knight runs, um, and we've discussed at length during Lemire's run how they use three different artists. Um, oh my God, my my um, Stock, uh, James Stoko, I'm blanking. Uh, uh, Wilfredo Frank, Torres, Wilfredo Torres, uh, Francesco Francovia. That's so, the one. And Greg Smallwood. So he uses all of them, and it just it worked really well. Over here, Malieve, I believe, yeah, I believe he does all three of them. And so when you have flashbacks of when Bont is younger, um, you get, um, and it's to the colorist as well, you get that kind of old-style comic look. Um, because back in the day, I don't know how timelines work here, Connor, because back in the day, Bont is fighting Daredevil, who's in the yellow and and red and brown costume um and bond is considerably aged since then <laughs> yet daredevil is still kind of the same age so i don't know how that works <laughs> but anyway because uh, bond's in his 90s right um in in the present day and uh yeah anyway actually no actually i'll take that all back anyway um and there's a third style as well which goes even further when bond is very young and it's a black and white um, style comic, uh, and slightly different art from Malieve. Um Very, very cool stuff. I don't think it's it's shown here. Oh, it is actually um, shown here in this issue. Um, but we see Bond. He actually is responsible for killing a superhero, a superhero by the name of the Defender. Um, so he has a bit of a reputation. He's actually there's this thing in the underworld where where they're all kind of getting shits with um, costumed, you know, idiots running around and, and disrupting their um, their organisation. Um, Bond actually builds a reputation by shooting the Defender and killing him. Um, and so, yeah, beautiful art, just black and white, very stark, um, to show the timeline of when he was very young. Bill's proper Godfather and Goodfellas as well in that style and the language as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so really good. Um, like, 
even say like with Bendis's dialogue, there's it's not he doesn't overplay it. I don't believe at all. Um, uh, and he really just fleshes out the the character of Bond. Um, but again, maybe it's this thing I have with seeing superheroes very vulnerable, um, as we'll see with Wolverine later on. But um, Daredevil, yeah, he's um, he's tied to a chair. He's just getting the the crap beaten out of him by by Gladiator, and he's almost killed at the end. Um, but it's one of those, to me, it's a slight trope where the villain, i.e. Bond, says, no, 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 don't kill him yet. He hasn't suffered enough. So uh, he wants to take Daredevil through the ringer. Um, so typical Daredevil, you know. He, 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 you know, you see it on the TV show. He gets put through <laughs> the worst, um, but he manages to kind of um, get through in the end. Um, so, yeah, so Chad, have you, have you read uh, a lot of the, the Bender stuff? Um, honestly, I've only ever read his work for uh, Spider-Man. Okay, and that's really good though as well. Do you rate that? Yeah. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he does amazing work. Okay. Um, I'm I'm biased, but the little bit I did read of his Moon Knight run, yeah, I'm victim of that opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, fair enough. No, no, exactly. Um. Look, if Ultimate Spider-Man is anything like... Because I haven't read it. Um, I know Connor has. Crazy stuff. I know. I know. I've got to get through it. But if it's anything like the Daredevil run, then I'm already sold. Because uh, this is this is comic book writing and art just at the, at the, at the highest form for me. So, um, yeah, I had to put this in at number two. And um, unfortunately, bumped Mooney off the top two. Uh, but it's just, yeah, I mean, Daredevil is just such a such an awesome, awesome figure. So, <laughs> um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, uh, guess we're getting to the big one then. We haven't got anything else to say. No, I think I think that's about. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, other than yeah, the only takeaway I, I don't know. I can't remember if it's all from this issue but as I mentioned um, having watched Daredevil on, on Netflix as well they take a lot from um, from the Bendis run uh, even the look of Melvin Potter yeah. uh, and he's it's, it's very so much yeah like so uh, so close to to what you you see on the TV show so um, yeah so that's got to be a testament to something um, geez, Bendis is doing well. He's got his Jessica Jones up there as well. Um, what, what a what a thrill to see uh, kind of the stuff that you write actually translated on TV. Um, but yeah, anyway, so the last one um, is X Uncanny X Men two five one. I'm just going to pull this up now. Um, yeah, and like I said, it's a it, it's it's enough to work as a one one shot. Um, but I'll give uh, I'll give a bit of background before actually getting into into this actual story. So, what has happened is that the X Men are um, the world believes that they're dead, um, and there's this thing called the Siege Perilous, which is an awesome I think is an awesome tool. Anyway, um, oh yeah, yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think they get it from Roma. She's like a cosmic being. And uh, she gives it to the X-Men to use if they want. And basically, it kind of wipes the slate and um, they kind of disappear, but you, they're kind of reincarnated. 
uh, into something else. So uh, the X-Men like kind of go through that. Some of the X-Men quit. Like Longshot, he's in the X-Men, he quits. Uh, Storm is actually killed by Havoc um, previous, cool. just, just recently. Yeah, so she gets shot down and killed. Uh, I don't know, I can't remember the, the details, but she ends up through the Siege Perilous as well. Um, and actually she turns up as a, a young child in Cairo again. Oh, no, in, in, the, in New Orleans again. And she meets up with Gambit, and that ends up being Gambit's um, introduction and his first issue. Um, so that's how in, um, Gambit and Storm kind of, uh, or how Gambit is introduced into the X Men, you know, a big figure back then. But anyway, so all the X Men are dead. They're based in, um, they were based in the Outback in Australia, where we are now. Um, and Wolverine, um, he's kind of, you know, typical on and off, um, but he gets ambushed by the Reavers. Um, and we're seeing this issue. It actually recaps it a little here. Um, he gets ambushed by them, and he gets tortured by them for all the atrocities that he's done to them. Um, but there's a running thread here where he's absolutely like tortured beyond belief by the Reavers. And for me, like getting into comics, the Reavers were like the first big, really scary kind of villains. It's funny now because you hardly see them, right? They pop up here and there. But um, they were utterly... Um, they had Wolverine um, at sixes and sevens, really, and he was you know, near death a lot of the time, and they just kept on hammering him. Um, so this issue, 251, um, you see him. They've got him on the crucifix, um, and he's in the middle of the desert, um, the outback, under the baking sun. And, um, yeah, basically, beautiful art by Mark Silvestri, um, Donald Pierce, the leader of the Reavers, he comes up and he taunts Wolverine. And it's just his inner monologue by Logan, which I love. There's a little bit of um, a little bit of mongrel in him still, even though he's like at the point of exhaustion and death, he's still defying him. Um, and so he manages to piss off the Reavers um, and, off they, and off they go. They leave him to bake in the sun. <laughs> but Wolverine's got a little bit of a smirk um, towards the end anyway. And he's, he's really... Um, flippant about everything like there's one bit where they just leave him and he's like really totally exhausted and he just says oh it looks like it's going to be a long day and he's just facing <laughs> the hot sun the whole t- so yeah even in the face of death and utter pain um he's just pretty blase about it anyway so the reavers go they infiltrate the um the the base of where the x-men were um and in there you see like a young jubilee uh, and she's kind of like a... You don't know too much about her at this stage. She's kind of like a, a runaway or something, but she's been squatting um, in this place when the X-Men have been away. So anyway, so she gets surprised when the Reavers are there. She sees Wolverine on the on the crucifix, and uh, and I guess that's... She wonders, you know, who the hell this guy is, what's going on. Um, at the same time, Wolverine's going through his fever dream, which is um, the title of the, the um, issue, uh, so you see all the really harks back to, to this era. You see Gateway, awesome Aboriginal uh, mutant um, from the Outback. He's a teleporter. So um, loony listeners there who read a lot of comics, you know Manifold now is um, Eden. He's, uh, he's a massive teleporter as well. I think a lot more powerful than Gateway, um, but he's also Indigenous um, and Australian. Uh, Gateway was, was the first before him. I believe Gateway's dead. I think they killed him. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Not not in this issue, but anyway. So the X Men are Rogue, uh, Psylocke, 
when she was uh, Elizabeth Braddock uh, English version. Uh, you have long, ah. sh- yeah, um, yeah. So this was before the you know how everyone knows Psylocke as um, the Japanese assassin. Uh, yeah, she was very much uh, the sister of Captain Britain, um, and she ha- she wore almost like knight armor as well. But she was a telepath, not not a very powerful telepath, but she she was one. Uh, long shot from Mojo World. Uh, you got Dazzler, Storm, Colossus, of course, awesome, and Havoc. Um, so anyway, Wolverine is having a fever dream about them. Um, it kind of recaps um, what happens to all the X Men, kind of in his dream. He has a few hallucinations of um, like a, a cyborg Psylocke because um, oh, it's almost Lady Deathstrike and she's she's with the Reavers. Uh, she cuts herself open, reveals to be Sabretooth. Uh, again, he's going through hallucinations um, and he's talking to Sabretooth. It recounts a passing basically in a pub and uh, the Reavers ambush him. And there's just too many of them uh, and they take him uh, and that's when they drag him onto the crucifix and start torturing him. Uh, he again sees um, very prominent figures of his past, like Ogun uh, and, of course, Kitty Pride. Uh, then he goes up with her, like almost like an, uh, in an astral or spiritual journey. He goes up um, with her to the top of the ridge where she shows him um, basically the last moments of the X-Men, and, and that's them uh, going through the Siege Perilous um, at the hands of Cyclo- uh, Psylocke, actually. Um, so anyway, um, so he kind of sees all that. Um, Kitty Pride turns into the Brood Queen of all things, and he wakes up from his from his fever dream. And uh, and then it's returned. It's nightfall. Uh, the Reavers come back to torture Wolverine even further. They they drive stakes in him um, through his his arms and his legs. Um, and there's a big thunderstorm happening again. He he um, hallucinates. Uh, thinks he sees Storm, and he wonders why he sees Storm as a young girl, and that's a bit of a tease that later on Storm will turn out on the other side of the Siege Perilous as a, a young girl. Uh, he sees his loves, the loves of his life, uh, Jean Grey, um, uh, Mariko, sorry, I almost forgot her name, uh, and Carol Danvers as a Shield agent. Um, I didn't, I forgot that she had a bit of a thing with Wolverine. Anyway, um, the Reavers are kind of inside, just wait. <laughs> the Reavers are, they don't like the rain, so they're just inside waiting for the rain to finish before they can torture Wolverine more. Um, then there's an awesome moment here where Wolverine, he finally lets out a, a shout because no one's around. The thunder will cover his screams and he just tries to rip himself off the crucifix. So one by one, he kind of unnails himself um, from the crucifix just through sheer strength. Uh, Jubilee's watching. Uh, you know she's in awe um, and he basically he manages to do that and he he stumbles down Jubilee's wondering should I shouldn't I help him um, but Wolverine actually knows that she's there and he says you, you know are you going to help me or not and, and so that's where it ends um, so yeah it was uh, I don't know it's really a really f- fun issue I think it was really just well written and self-contained um, and yeah, it just it's it. I don't know. Um, having Wolverine so vulnerable, um, but yet showing so much fight for me is what really appealed to me. Yeah, going through this one, um, you know, I'm a big Wolverine fan. This was obviously his biggest. Uh, um, this is the biggest time, I guess. That yep. 
late 80s, early 90s, or 90s, I guess, in general. But yeah, this was great. This I just love an introspective issue like this. And it's yeah. going through all these enemies and allies. You're seeing Kitty, you're seeing Sabertooth, you're seeing Mariko, whose story... Oh, it's one of my favorite issues of the Uncanny X-Men with, um... Was it Ogun? Ogun, yeah. Ogun, yeah. Whatever yeah. that issue is, it's iconic. It was a great cover, but I cannot remember it. Um... Yeah, no, I just, yeah, I love this issue. I think you're right. It's just such, like, as I was saying to Ray before, um, this issue really holds up even now. You know, it's obviously in, it's, uh, like an 80s, 90s comic, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't have any needless exposition. It's just great writing, great great understanding of Wolverine and his primal rage. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of a tease with, you know, with the Siege Perilous that, you know, if you just come into this one issue, there's enough there to actually explain what it is, um, but it kind of leaves it hanging up there in the air. So it kind of does, as any good comic would do, would lead you towards wanting to read more. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think it's pretty well self-contained. Um, I think Claremont really does capture... Um, yeah, I don't know. He just he just captures the different characters quite well. Um there's enough that he actually even fleshes out the Reavers um, uh, and enough as well that you actually they're not just your one dimensional just bad villains because they're evil uh, there's, a, there's a little banter between I think it's Reese and Cole one of the Reavers and um, when they're stalking through the um, uh, the home base of the X-Men so you know they're, they're like you know they've got a sense of humour too and they're um, for want of a better word, they're normal as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, normal uh, reavers. Yeah, normal reavers. Yeah, they're normal as, as far as reavers go. Uh, but but yeah, I think Claremont does a really good job um, in in voicing Wolverine, Donald Pierce, Jubilee. Um, he even gives some of the the lesser known reavers a bit of a um, bit of time to shine as well. Uh, yeah, and as you say, it just recaps a lot of Wolverine's. Um, and look, I'm just looking at see images here of Sabretooth back then. Yeah, this is back when Sabretooth was bad, you know. This was when he was a really great antagonist to Wolverine. Like, nothing against him now that he's doing good, but um, I love this kind of classic rivalry that they have. Um, mm. And Mark Silvestri is just art. Look, I love I love the way he draws Wolverine. There's a couple of facial shots here um, that really kind of stuck with me. Um, Connor, I'm just looking, flicking. When he's in the rain... Um, and he's trying to unnail himself. There's that gritty, determined look, a very animalistic look of Wolverine in the rain, um, perfectly captured. He says, yeah, I want to scream. That's good. I give all the voice i got left. Um, who's to hear through all the thunder? Uh, pain's a goad. Makes me mad. Makes me crazy. Uh, yeah, and he uses that anger to, to go. Uh, even at the very beginning as well, where he looks at Donald Pierce and goes, I uh, want to bet, where... Um, Donald Pierce has um, been taunting him. Uh, yeah, just great, great art from Sylvester. So, uh, yeah, no, really, so, yeah. No, I was just, oh, sorry, I'll let you finish. I was about to go into it. No, uh, okay, uh, yeah, no, I'm just about to say, yeah, and Wolverine during this time, again, I've got to draw back to Peter David. Uh, Peter David um, wrote a lot of the early um, solo Wolverine title around this time really fleshed him out um, again that was a very close choice for me mm-hmm. um, there was the Gehenna Stone I think affair I think it was like a, it was a seven parter um, very well grounded um, really um, strange art uh, in it 
but uh, that was a really good one as well. So, uh, I mean, I like these kind of little... Yeah, I like these little character moments for Wolverine, and I thought 251 was really good. Um, also, just quickly, to let you know as well, leading up for this, uh, 252, 253, and then 254, we see a new team, um, and that's when they kind of get... Um, you know you know how um, that, that blue and gold uniform kind of in the X-Men? Yeah. Uh, that's I think that is where they kind of... It wasn't actually the Jim Lee... Uh, era in the 90s there was actually this issue here which is 254 that they introduced a blue and gold uniform um so that's only a few issues later and then you have the x-men team of i think moira polaris forge um i think that's siren legion and banshee uh, and it looks like i think that's that's not strong guy there's another guy there um but anyway uh so 251 springboards into a great era of um of, of X-Men um, tales. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, what can I say? Really good. <laughs> yeah, Chad, uh, what I wanted to bring up was this, um, you know, this is in the Outback era, you know, a very famous time, but my um, reading of X-Men is, I finished up just before the Outback um, run started with Claremont, and I've just never come back to it. Are, are you at all familiar with this era? Um, at this point in time, I wasn't really, uh, reading Marvel. I was actually reading Darkness. Yeah. Um, Another Mark Silvestri. Oh, okay, right. There you go. What, what, um, publisher was that? That was, uh, I think that was Image. Yeah, that's, was that, like, Skybound to begin with, or was it just eventually put under Skybound? Uh... I thought Skybound is uh, Cho. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, it's, Skybound's like a part of Image. Okay. Oh, can't remember. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mark Silvestri's art is really good. I, I don't know how his art holds up, like, like currently. Um, um, do you... Is Darkness still going on, Chad, or...? Um, it's kind of off and on. It's no longer, like, a title in itself, but there's been, like, another Witchblade incarnation that ran for a while with, oh, okay. uh, Stefan Sejic, and he was doing a great job with it, but they, uh, did another reboot on it, and it didn't do too hot. Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, for me, Sylvester is pretty much the Uncanny X-Men run. Um, and a bit of Cyberforce as well. Uh, I, he, I collected Cyberforce for Image uh, when he moved over there. Um, I know he's done Incredible Hulk, um, I think, t- during the 2000s, but I haven't checked it out. So, um, anyway, for nostalgia's sake, he, he and Dan Green... <laughs> Dan Green on inks and Mark Silvestri on pencils. I think they were a bomb. They were a great team, similar to how Jim Lee and Scott Williams were in the nineties. They were the they were top tier, top tier. Yeah. All right. Well, cover on this trip down memory lane. <laughs> yeah, I got to. Um, yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Connor. Uh, it's uh, been really fun to chat about. About these issues, it was a nice exercise to go through and try to find your, um, trying to find the top four 
issues. It's such a hard thing, but um, there are just so many great issues out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I urge anyone who hasn't um, picked up these issues, at least at least give it a go. I mean, I think they're all, apart from the Harbinger one, they're all um, available, they should be, on Marvel Unlimited. I'm not sure if the Mark Spector one is. But Sadly yeah. not, I don't no. think. Oh, okay. Well, he's just going to have to take my word for it then. <laughs> uh, no, but definitely the Uncanny X-Men, um, for sure. And if you haven't read, for those who haven't read Daredevil uh, by Bendis, um, yeah, do yourself a favour. And I I'll, I'll, I'll should read the Ultimate Spider-Man. Connor, I should do that. Bloody well should. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, I think we've uh, toasted you up well enough in this hot sun. Uh, sorry about putting you through that as your first trip over here. Chad, but uh, can't you take us back to the mansion? All right, I guess, uh, guess there's been a trip down memory lane for us all. We were uh, put Ray in the hot seat. This is actually thanks to Rickball Special. Yeah. You know, Looney Bin Shaddy put Ray up to it, called him out, and Ray put him <laughs> back down. So thanks to Rick Ball, you've had this in-depth look at Ray. Yeah, um, thanks, Rick Ball. Yeah, and I really appreciate it, Rick, for, um, for yeah. suggesting it. Um, like I said, your issue 13 of Moon Knight, uh, that was, I, I would have picked that as well. That was a, a really top one. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I hope, uh, yeah, I'd like to know your thoughts on on these issues that I've cho- chosen uh, rig ball, so and, and others out there. So, yeah, please drop us a line. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to add before I wrap us up and send us home? Mm, no. How about yourself, Chad? Any, uh, any, any actually, um, any final little recommendations or any thoughts? Oh, I'll throw it to you first, Chad. Um... Not exactly. I'm kind of off guard here because, uh, <laughs> you know, the time displacement. Yep. Heat stroke. <laughs> yeah, heat stroke. That's what it was. <laughs> Too much coffee, not enough water. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's kind of on us. I just want to say as well, read Pluto by Naraki Urasawa. Yeah, actually, get on that. I will. I definitely will. I'm going to look it up on Wiki now. And, and um... And as always, um, we'll try to corral all these um, top suggestions from everyone and, and, and put, them in, yeah, put them in the show notes for, for loonies to check out. Yeah, so thanks for coming in, everyone. Thanks, Ray, for hopping in the hot seat. Uh, we love these Isla Ra's. I think they were one of a great idea from Ray that I think was one of the biggest hits of last year, going yeah. strong into this year with Ray. So, you and, know, we've... Yeah, and can I say then that uh, Connor and Chad... We've got to look to you guys um, for your Isla Ra's next. It'll be very interesting to to um, to hear. Like Chad, you've raised a couple of um, yeah, really um, um, like title like obscure titles uh, that would be really keen to to learn more about. Um, I'm sure you've got a lot more in your swag there, and Connor as well. Man, it'd be really really interesting to to uh, to get your take because I know your um, your net is is vast. And uh, it'll be interesting to see you uh, whittle it down to four. Oh, well, definitely going to have to work on it. <laughs> While yeah. waiting, and uh, yeah. I say we do Chad next so I can hide a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I, 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 vote, I vote Chad next as well. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think we'll uh, recover nicely from the sun in a Grant Mansion, but we might send us on home. So, uh, Ray, yeah. where can they find us? Where can they find you after yeah. getting so personal and friendly with you? <laughs> uh, yeah, loonies, look, if you... Um, if you made sense of all my rants there, uh, and if you've got any thoughts on the show um, and the issues covered, please um, drop us a line on email at itkmoonight at, I, uh, at gmail.com. Um, we also have a blog site, into the night podcast.wordpress.com. That's where all our newsletters and our show notes and our summaries are at. Uh, you can also contact us through there as well. Uh, we are on Facebook, and we've got a page, facebook.com slash itkmoonight. And we have a utterly fantastic group, um, a really good bunch of loonies. Thank you so much, loonies, everyone who is involved. Um, that's facebook.com slash groups slash ITK Moon Knight. Um, it's over there that you'll see the likes of Connor and Chad as well. Uh, on Twitter, uh, easy handle to remember, at ITK Moon Knight as well. So um, just send us thoughts there. Um, you'll be able to, um, you know, you'll be able to get a response um, from that. Uh, also on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, you just got to search for Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. We'll be there. Uh, also, iTunes ratings. Uh, look, if you um, if you like what you heard tonight, or um, if you like what you've heard in our other segments, remember that we cover different things with the phases of the moon. Uh, you can drop us an iTunes rating, and that would really help us um, kind of reach out to other loonies out there who may not uh, know about this podcast. Um, uh, almost every other day we do get um, member requests into our group so it's great to see that people are, um, are finding their way towards us and hopefully listening to our podcast as well uh, so an, IT, uh, an iTunes rating would be absolutely awesome and and finally um, just we're on most of all, all the uh, well, all the podcast catches that you can think of hopefully uh, the big ones like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts uh, iHeartRadio um, you know, you name it. Uh, we should be there. Just search for us. Uh, yeah, so that's um, that's where you can find us. Yeah, please drop us a line. Uh, that'd be good. And like I said, maybe we should post up that thing of um, of comic characters with with music. I'd really be keen to hear what people would associate music with um, with each comic book character. And uh, I got a few more announcements. I'll hopefully drop in this week. So uh, mm-hmm. thanks everyone for stopping by. We hope to see you there. Yeah, and uh, I guess as we always say, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.